Yeah, so the first thing first, you do have to make a decision. And when I say that, you know, it's kind of like uh, making a commitment, right? You tell yourself that you're not going to overlook that anymore. Once you say that to yourself, you know, somehow in our mind, a shift happens. Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Now, more than ever, it's important to keep up on the latest marketing trends and topics, and this is just the spot. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Now Marketing Group. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 73 of the Making a Marketer podcast sponsored by Powers of Marketing, my business. We empower small to medium-sized business with strategic communication. And the topic today is near and dear to my heart for many reasons. It was a tweet by Brie Anderson last week or the week before. She said, friends with our own business, how do you focus on working on your business as opposed to in your business? I find my poor brand suffering from the good old shoe cobbler's kid has no shoes. And that's kind of like I used to say, I don't have time to paint my own house. So I had a similar idea. Okay, so my guest today is Maiko Sakai. Hi. How are you? Hello there. Good, good, good. Excellent. I'm so happy to have you here. Well, for many reasons, but you know what? I love that you're not a marketer, right? This is a marketing podcast, but marketing is part of business and you are a businesswoman. And I have enjoyed um, interacting with you on the chat about brand tweet chat. And I thought this would be a really good topic for you. I'm going to read your bio here real quick. Maiko is a business strategy consultant, a secret weapon, confidant and silent partner to visionary creative entrepreneurs with a desire to build a high-functioning, profit-generating machine of their dreams. She's also the creator of two programs, Define and Refine Your Profitable Niche and Business Optimizer 360. As a self-proclaimed queen of counterintuitive strategies, she provides effective but not so conventional strategies to boost sustainable profitability for her clients' businesses by utilizing both quantitative and qualitative assessments. Originally from Yokohama, Japan, Maiko considers herself a New Yorker, ethnic foods of all kinds. She's a minimalist, a sucker for ultra contemporary and exotic houseplants. She earned BA from School of Management at Cornell University. Smarty pants over here. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for being on. <laughs> okay, so I kind of set the table in terms of, you know, like we're here. I think this is something that lots of entrepreneurs struggle with especially people who are alone, right? Like if you're the one-man band, it's hard to get work done for your clients, what you're getting, right? But non-billable hours is something that anyone, whether you're like a micro agency, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. boutique like myself, or whether you have a team, billable hours are always the thing we want, right? But we also have to be walking the walk. I don't think that a client of mine would appreciate my potential to do business for them if I'm not marketing well for myself. So this is a struggle, hey? Yeah, no, totally. We all struggle with this and I'm not even an exempt from this at all. And this is something that I, you know, I, I'm very intentional about. And the first and foremost, my definition of 
working on your business. What I mean is that not only, you know, the marketing our businesses for future projects, but there are a few other things that I also focus on. And normally, like I break this entire business, any, anyone's business, any given business in five different areas. And I do have acronyms. I'm going to share that with you. It's BBLTC. And the way you can remember that very easily is to remember it as big BLT with cheese. Sounds very uh-huh. good, right? Unless yeah. you're vegan or something. And but suddenly anyway. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that the first letter B stands for business vision and mission so that, you know, you get to assess time to time. You don't have to do this every single day or anything, but you can assess it like every month or every quarter, whether or not your business is aligned. You know, you do want to do a quick check on that. Then the second letter B is for business model. So, you know, whether or not you're expanding your business offerings or you're, you know, maybe eliminating some of them, all those things you wanted to take a look at. And the letter L stands for logistics. So, you know, you do want to think about your, say, like a hiring process or onboarding process. Do you have SOPs, you know, standard operating procedure? If you don't have one, you know, how do you plan to create one this year or the next quarter, all that stuff? Then the letter T stands for team. How do you communicate with your team? You know, what kind of a team do you want to build if you don't have any? Or thinking about, you know, maybe creating one in the future. And the last one, the letter C, that stands for conversation. So that house is everything about sales and marketing and promotion. And it's not just about your messaging to your potential customers, but the way you communicate with your vendors, suppliers, your employees, or any independent contractors. Those are the things to work on when you're working on your business. Yeah. And I think, because I know we're going to get into some how-tos. So how do you personally handle this for your business? What do you do to keep yourself on track? That's a great question because I used to push it aside. I'm like, no, my clients come first. I have to deliver this and that and their deadlines. I'm sure everybody can relate to that. Right. So at one point, I just had to make a decision to say, you know what, I'm not going to push it aside anymore. And I don't have to do this, like I said, every single day. So, you know, I made a decision to do it once a month. And some of the things I didn't get to do, like, you know, under the second B, for example, business model and the financial things, maybe I didn't get around to actually review all that closely, then I would do it next month. So I try not to really put too much pressure on it. That's the number one thing so that you can get used to this new routine of looking at your business as a whole. So that's what I have been doing. And I can also share some tips on how to go about it. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's the next thing I was going to ask her. What are some tips that you give to clients or, you know, to people listening for carving right. out that time? Yeah. So the first thing first, you do have to make a decision. And when I say that, you know, it's kind of like uh, making a commitment, right? You tell yourself that you're not going to overlook that anymore. Once you say that to yourself, you know, somehow in our mind, a shift happens. So, you know, I don't know whether you're going to hear a little click sound or whatever, like, you know, 
that you are in a different place mentally. So you wanted to make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to ruthlessly protect my time to work on my business. And you can start from 10 or 15 minutes, right? It doesn't have to be like a three hour long real strategy session by yourself with yourself. And then if you start thinking that way, it becomes really overwhelming. Like, oh, I'm I'm not going to be able to do that. We'll start small. Right, 10 to 15 minutes just to think about your business, but I'm going to ruthlessly protect that time and decide on whether you're going to do it on, you know, Monday mornings or like, you know, Friday afternoon before you, you wrap it up, or you're just going to do it once, you know, like say like one last Saturday every month, you get to decide. Then the next thing that I would suggest is to sort of find the ways to make it fun. After all, it's your business. And you didn't start your business to get completely burned out and stressed out. So find a ways to make it fun and maybe luxurious. Like for example, you know, if many of you are female entrepreneurs, then maybe you set a stage, you know, by, you know, in your home office, especially right now, maybe you rearrange things that you just close out all your browser tabs and maybe you use a candle or, you know, put some music on that you wouldn't usually play while you're working. There are many ways to sort of set a stage up just so that you can feel special that you you know, I'm doing this for me, for my business, not for anyone else. And I'm going to, you know, get down and dirty with it. And that would be the second tip that I would have. And the third thing, yeah, the, the third thing is, you know, like, like I said, just make sure that you make it a routine just so that your body and mind start to get used to that new habit and new routine. And that you, if you wanted to expand it over time, by including your team members or someone that you trust or if you have a consultant or accountant or whoever else then you can expand from there but in the beginning start small those are all great tips but especially the starting small i just read atomic habit excellent um, book i love yeah. that book yeah so i was picturing reading that when you said that i was like oh that's such that's so valuable cuz and i and i started as i was reading it i set the goal of i'm going to read a chapter a day of any book so i finished that now i've moved on but yeah it's like those little things and then when you say guarding that time ruthlessly so you would then say book scheduled on your calendar right so that you don't book another meeting over that time. Absolutely. Yeah. That could be one of your non-negotiables in your business. Yeah. And you know, it's funny (laughs) for me, I find at the end of a day, I'm like, I worked so many hours. How many hours I worked today? And then I look at how many were billable and I'm like, how much time did I waste today? I can only bill four of these hours. What have I been doing? You know, right. so I have the reverse issue sometimes where I get like, I get, you know, I go down the rabbit hole of social media. So I think it's also good to, to set timers for ourselves on that. And especially now with this new Clubhouse app, are you on Clubhouse? So I was about to, and I was going to be invited for it. Then I realized that I don't own any Apple products. Oh, <laughs> shoot okay well anyway but yeah but it's it's one of those things where it's a time suck because there's so much interesting conversation and so So I just kind of let it go yeah 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 but yeah no those are all such great tips I love it 
I love it. So do you think that it's different for creatives that it is for, I mean, I know you worked in the music industry and that's your jam, so to speak. So um, do you think it's different for them than for other types of business owners? I would say slightly. The reason is this, most of the creative types, including marketers for sure, you know, the marketers need to be creative and they have to craft their craft, right? So much of their investment, whether it's time or money, would go into, you know, honing in your craft and staying creative. So for only that reason, it's harder for creatives to tap into that zone to be a CEO of, you know, your company and work on your business. So for example, like if you're in a, like running an insurance firm or something, or like accounting firm or like a personal wealth firm, they may have a slightly easier way of a sort of a, like easing themselves into it. Well, you know, I'm doing something similar for my clients and now I'm going to do this something similar for my company. It's a, a bit easier in that sense. But I'm not pointing this out to say it's going to be harder for creatives. All I'm saying that, you know, the creatives are creatives for a number of good reasons. Just to find a way to just make it easier on yourself if you're a creative. So that, like I said, you know, if you need to set up a stage and, you know, kind of easing yourself into it, that's one way to do it. And not really telling those limiting beliefs and stories about assessing your business performance because it can be fun you know looking at data well especially for marketers marketers are used like they love looking at data they love dissecting things it's not that different from that if you think of it that way it might be easier for them to actually switch the gears and work on their businesses that's a really good point yeah i you know it's so funny for me, I find that like when I'm attending a conference, for example, I used to have this issue all the time. And I coined the phrase um, dividing my mind time because Mm. I'm listening to these tips and tricks and whatever, these great speakers. And I'm thinking about it for my clients. And then I'm like, Ooh, but what about for my business? And then it can be quite challenging when you have different types of businesses that you're working with. And then also, you know, thinking about it for yourself. Like my first First business I owned was a web design business back mm-hmm. in the Stone Ages, back in like 2000 to 2000, or it was like 01 to six or something. Part of that time, I also worked for other people, but that was especially hard because I would get the gig and that would be like full-time work. And while I'm, yeah. and it's a one-off, so that's even harder, right? If something that you're, if you're gaining clients that are retainer clients, and so that that's continual, you're continuing to grow their business sure. for them. That's one thing. But when you're just like one-off doing a project, you got to get it done. And then I would end and be like, now what? Feast and famine cycle, right? Yeah. That's the so-called feast and famine. And I'm sure back then it was even harder to, you know, the work on a website over a short you know, period of time, you have to ship it, you got to deliver it. So you put a ton of hours into it. And when do you get, you know, to promote and market your business while you're working on that project, right? So then you might have been, you know, doing that as a side hustle. I guess we didn't have that term back then, but well, it was pre social media too. Right. Oh my gosh. It, you know, you think back like, what did, what did we used to do? Oh, well, email marketing, you know, ads. 
ads, that kind of stuff was still in, in play, but I didn't do any of that. I was like, so of course, ultimately I, I ended up going to work for someone else. Cause I was like, I, this isn't, it wasn't sustainable mm-hmm. for me. This right. since owning that I've had this company um, powers marketing since 13 and I am reaping the benefits of like years of a career building relationships with people. So I've been very fortunate that that's how my business has, that's how I've sustained it. Obviously doing a good job for them also. And and this podcast, I think, you know, it's a credibility thing. It doesn't pay the bills, but I love doing it. I love learning from our guests. And, you know, ideally it shows that I can walk the walk. And yeah. you said you're thinking of, you're thinking about a podcast, hey? Yeah, I am mm-hmm. considering. So, you know, last year it was all about me being a guest of other people's shows so that I get the feel of how that is like. And I learned quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, here's the thing, you know, another kind of, kind of another topic, but this shiny object syndrome, you know, I totally get the benefit of having, you know, your own podcast. There's so many good good reasons as to why you should go for it. But then like I sort of decided, well, you know what? Like I so want to jump on this, but let me just hold off on that for a bit. But that was last year. So I'm really proud of myself doing that instead of just diving right into it without, you know, like really giving it a thought. Right. So talk to us a little bit about your business. What do you do for your clients? So I started off pretty much doing retainer work for creative businesses, including video production companies, do you know, DJ school, architects, graphic design firms, um, the digital marketing firms, month to month to month. Then I realized that although I did really enjoy that work and I still do some of it, I wanted to expand my business different ways. So that's the reason why that I came up with two different programs based on what I was actually using when I was pretty active with my retainer clients. So the, in the gist of it is this, people normally grow their businesses organically with what they know. But once they hit a certain point, whether that's, you know, the high end of six, multi-six figure or, you know, any type of like multi-seven figures, they have to do something a bit different, especially the mindset part to keep scaling. So I would go in to help them optimize their overall business. So I'm not just talking about the, uh, you know, the sales department or just the HR or, you know, the financial management. I would assess everything and come up with a plan so that they can clean up a lot of stuff before they put a lot of money in to expand their businesses. I see. All right. Very cool. And so those programs are they one-on-one or they one-to-many? Like, how are you doing that? I do both. So yeah, if right. anyone wants to do it um, one-on-one with me, I still have a capacity to do that, which is great, which might change in the future. But I also offer like group sessions uh, with the same program, same framework. Awesome. And then, okay, so let's, in terms of working on our business, right. do you have any tools that you recommend? Any like software you're using or anything like that? I can, but before I get to that, the one thing that I do wanted to touch on, and I, I'm kind of curious to see what you think of okay. it. There usually there are a lot of talks about tools and tech and how to go about doing X, Y, Z, all that talks, right? But I think what's more important than those things 
is the level of commitment that you're going to make with yourself. A lot of people, including my clients, as well as, you know, prospective customers, they would come to me and ask me all sorts of stuff like, what is your tech stack? And, uh, you know, which one's right? I don't want to make any mistakes. I wanted to make the right decisions. And they're getting into this whole decision fatigue. Or I should say, like, you know, sort of a decision paralysis, not really knowing what to pick. And what they're really struggling with is not the tech or how to go about it. It's just the fact that they don't want to make any mistakes. So it's got a lot to do with, you know, the fear of failure or on the flip side, they don't want to invest their time to learn something and fail at it. You know, for them, that seems like a waste of time. And I always say, you know what? I mean, I can tell you what I use, but it's kind of useless. You need to really try everything yourself and learn from it. So that's one thing that I would say about it. But, you know, like, for example, like I would use Trilo for doing my quick assessment that works for me. I also use Google Form to, you know, um, now I'm sort of moving myself gradually over to Notion. But there's a learning curve to that. I do love that platform, but uh, I can't say that I know a lot about it. So I'm gradually moving myself to Notion. Gotcha. Yeah, we had Yvonne Hyman in December and she's a productivity person and her tool is ClickUp. And I think she yeah. recently did like a Notion versus ClickUp, like ClickUp, like head to head kind of a show. So yeah, all of that, it's like anything else is what you put into it. You know, that, and I think that I yeah. could see that, that paralysis, like it people being unsure whether they're going to actually have the time when it's like a lot of things there's upfront investment of your time right but you then know in the what? long yeah, no, I haul totally it's going to pay that. off yeah. yeah and I get that and it's kind of funny that when my clients ask me you know that line of questions you know so uh, what do you use you know I'm not sure which one to pick I always say okay that's not really the question that you want you should be asking me right now what's behind it and we dig deep on that. And, you know, obviously it turns out to be, you know, not wanting to make any mistakes, not wanting to experience failures. I mean, you know, that's always the case. Yeah. For me, my primary thing is I don't want to manage my workflow via email. I don't want to be a slave to my email. I want to know what work I have to do and I want it to live in a place that's easy for everyone to find. And we know that everything's up to date. And I had a client for four years that had a a SaaS project management software tool. The most interesting thing about helping him market that product, which I loved, and now it's sitting on a shelf. It's like code sitting on a shelf. It's dead, which is another story. It's very sad. (laughs) But um, we were fighting against the same old way. Our biggest competitor was not Basecamp or Asana or Trello. It was Excel spreadsheets. Oh, <laughs> because, dear. You know, in the meetings and events industry, meeting planners love their spreadsheets. I mean, mm-hmm. they just love, you know, and honestly, like they've spent years nurturing this spreadsheet life, right? Adding formulas and building on it. And, um, and so they're like, you know, hesitant to let it go. But then I had this one client, she would download the spreadsheet and she would upload it. We were on like, you know, version 40C <laughs> by the time we're at the end of the project. And I was like, oh my goodness. Oh gosh. Right. It is. And I guess the switch and cost, you know, it can be a hurdle, you know, when someone who's invested that much into it 
their Excel formulas and the, the whole format and everything else. But I think Airtable is doing pretty good, which is, you know, amazing. To, to be honest, I'm like, why Airtable? I mean, there's Excel. Like, what more do you want from it? I don't know. But mm-hmm. I, it's, it's doing okay. So I don't know whether, you know, yeah. they're marketing it well or but uh, I'm not sure. Right, right. Yeah, well, and, you know, part of it, too, is kind of, I think, kind of hits on what you mentioned. It's the fear, fear Mm -hmm. of something different and fear of the unknown. All right, so do you have a good business book that you can recommend to our listeners that you're... I I have a few, but this one hasn't been mentioned all that often. So I picked this one called Built to Sell by John very low and it's a story-based book so if you have audible i definitely suggest you get that through audible and you can probably finish it in two hours what the reason why i think it's a really great book for service business owners is to understand the process of selling a business even if you don't plan to do so because you get to learn a lot about positioning or other things. And on top of that, you know, what we just went through in 2020 and never say never, right? If there is an opportunity to sell your business, even though you may, you know, you never thought about it before, are you ready? Right. But this book makes the whole topic really, really easy to read. And you get to sort of reassess your positioning about, you know, how you position your business all over again. So it's my all time favorite. I love that. Yeah. I think too many business owners don't think about their exit strategy. And like you say, even if it's not truly an exit strategy, figuring out that would be a really good way to help reach goals. So I'll make sure to note that that book recommendation in the show notes. Anything else you want to um, share with our listeners about how to make it, you know, make it easier on themselves <laughs> working on versus in their businesses? Yeah. So here's this concept of, you know, slowing down to speed up, right? Slow down to speed up. And I'm sure you know, many of your listeners probably heard about that, but it's really true. You know, it's not, uh, you know, it's not some kind of a saying that the people are just repeating over and over. In order for us to achieve bigger goals that may take more than half a year or a year or potentially even two years, if you have a big vision, you cannot be too busy picking up nickels and dimes right in front of you, you may skip those opportunities to get to a $100 bill around the corner. So that's what it means to, you know, slow down to speed up. And sometimes that is absolutely necessary. And working on your business will allow you to see that, you know, am I too frantic with what I can see right in front of me versus am I focused on what I really wanted to achieve two years from now or three years from now? And it's not always about money, right? It could be about freedom so that, you know, you still wanted to be actively working in your business. There's nothing wrong with that, but you get to free up a lot of time, you know, two years from now or a year and a half from now so that you're happy with your work and you also get to spend that freed up time with something that, you know, you really value. So that's something that I really wanted to emphasize that we're just too... We all do this 
the, you know, we're just too busy to deal with what's in front of us because we can see and we don't really spend enough time. You know, we don't invest our time to try seeing what's possible way down the road and start acting from that place, which is not an easy thing to do in practice. Even though we understand that in our head, logically, it's something that we have to work on every single day. And that's something that I still do and have been doing every single day because sometimes it feels like I'm back to square one without panic and I still have to look at it and go at it again. Right. All great points. Yeah. I think that's, again, the, back to that paralysis. I think people feel like if they create too big a goal, then they will do nothing. And so I think, but I think it's great to do, yeah, have those big picture goals in mind, but then figure out how to get there incrementally, you know, like make baby steps so that you don't overwhelm yourself. Yeah. And starting today, instead of, you know, telling yourself that, that, well, it's going to happen, you know, in two years time, that's a long time. So I'm sure I get to work on those things and we ended up not doing any of it. Right. No. And I'm guilty of that. I'm queen of procrastination. Like I should win a prize. (laughs) So, well, I appreciate you so much. This has been really enlightening. And I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned it or not. Maiko is the founder of Airtight Concepts. I don't think I mentioned your company name. Oh, right. Um, yeah. And and I love her. She's the queen of counterintuitive strategies. I just love that um, to pieces. Thank so thank you so much for being on. I know that this will be super valuable. Uh, I'm trying to drop, I mean, I, we want to drop as many knowledge bombs on, uh, on every episode as we can. But we know January listenership goes way up. So I wanted to try to have especially this month, you know, have to have guests on that can kind of help challenge us to look at things a little bit differently. And I think you did that with us today. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that, I, I'm really glad that I got to be on this show to just share some of the things that maybe you guys don't really talk about that that often, but this is the beginning of the year. So yeah, I hope your listeners appreciate some of the stuff that we shared. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to go block out some time on my calendar as soon as we get off this <laughs> to make sure, because like, and I know Jen and Jen and I, we both use Agora Pulse for our social media and right. it's such a great tool, but you got to use it. And I have been using it like I should lately. So, so yeah, that we, she and I both, I think, have that on our on our plates. Um, awesome! So, thank you so much, and thank you to everyone who is watching this on the replay, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or listening on the podcast. We appreciate you. If you enjoyed this, I don't ask this very often, but if you do me a favor and rate and review us, that would be just lovely because you know the more people do that, the more people learn about the show, and then the more people can get informed with all the awesomeness that our guests bring every every show. Thank you, Michael. Oh, my pleasure. It was fun. Okay, y'all. This has been episode 73 of the Making a Marketer podcast. Woo-hoo. We will catch you next time.